What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Lodges Podcast. I am your host, Juan Rodriguez. If you are new to the show, this is a podcast where we interview streamers, pro esports players, business professionals, and other people who are working in the gaming and esports space. Today, we have the opportunity to sit down with an incredible guest, Aaron Ashley Simon, who is the host of Cheddar Esports. And we really just walk through her life journey all the way starting out from a young age to where she's at right now, um, all of the things she's been able to be a part of, as well as some of the challenges that she's overcome and what her career in media has looked like over the past 10 years. She started at the age of 16. So we really got some amazing insight and information from her, as well as learning how she has worked up so far to where she is at right now in her career. Uh, we've yet to have a guest like this on the podcast, so I hope for you guys listening, this adds a little bit of diversity and shows you a different insight in the industry. But with that being said, I will not go on any longer. This is the Lodges Podcast. I hope that you guys enjoy it. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Lodges Podcast. This is episode 30, and I'm super excited to sit down today and talk with Erin Ashley Simon. She is a lot of things. She's a public figure. She's a TV host for Cheddar Esports. She's also the co-host of Grassroots Podcast. She's been featured in Forbes. She recently signed with CAA, and I think the list goes on and on. But Erin, thank you so much for coming on. I'm, I'm really humbled and honored to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean... Oh, I didn't realize how much I had on, on my resume in that <laughs> sense, but uh, I'm super happy to be on. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited to have you here. Um, so really what I want to do here is kind of just like we do with a lot of guests is just walk through your life story, through your different experiences that have gotten you to where you are now. So I think a good place to start with that is if you just want to take us back to the very beginning, you know, let us know where you were born and raised, what, what your upbringing was like, your different interests at a younger age. I think, you know, that'd be a great place to start. Yeah, of course. So I, I was born um, outside of Philadelphia. And uh, for me, my upbringing was, was very interesting and unique. Um, I was raised in Jersey, uh, been in Jersey for most of my life. So anytime that anyone asked me in terms of like what state I rep, I definitely rep New Jersey, unless it's like <laughs> sports teams, because most of my favorite sports teams are at least in Philadelphia. Um, but yeah, so like uh, my parents, um, my dad's from Philadelphia, my mom's from New York. And uh, at a young age, my parents got divorced. And I would say that that was very um, instrumental in kind of shaping who I am uh, mm -hmm. on, and as well as in, um, and as well as uh, my mom being sick and she's been sick all my life. And those are two kind of like pivotal moments in my life that I think have shaped me as a person. And uh, during my upbringing, I mean, my my mom and, and my stepdad, my stepdad, his name is Paul, um, they've mm -hmm. always been super supportive of, of everything, anything that I wanted to do. And I've always been an avid gamer. I've always liked to kind of tell stories and tell other people's perspectives or highlight other aspects of different industries. Uh, that's always been something that I've been intrigued about. I've always been someone like I was a kid who was watching the discovery channel all the time. And I <laughs> loved it because I've, I always love learning about people or things or anything like that. And so with this kind of, um, you know, with this, with this upbringing that I had in the sense of uh, I, there was this kind of, there was this struggle 
well, one, there's, there's a struggle in the sense of, um, you know, my parents being split up and, and that impacting me, mm-hmm. having a stepdad, that was something that was a new thing for me, as well as being uh, multiracial, uh, mostly per- I'm black and Puerto Rican. And so having that identity uh, yeah. issue, I guess you can say, is something that when I was younger, really, really affected me and it affected me. And I, I, I was dealing with anxiety. I had depression. Uh, but what I can say is there's two passions of mine that or three passions of mine that really got me through it. It was uh, video games, music, and then soccer. And so what happened was uh, because I was a, a top soccer player in New Jersey, I was traveling all the time and I didn't really have time to go and do the, the things that every other high schooler did or middle schooler or just kids in general. And yeah. so I would always be playing video games when I was home because I sometimes I had to stay home during vacation time because everyone else was like in Cancun or somewhere else. And I was like, oh, I have a tournament <laughs> to go to. So let me just yeah. stay and play video games. And so because of that, uh, I eventually wanted to cover my interest in music and just sports and everything like that. And Mm -hmm. I was always around top basketball players, especially in New Jersey, just because of mutual friends. You know, if you're a top athlete in soccer, you know, other friends who are top with uh, friends with other top athletes. Right. And so it got to the point where I, I just started getting a lot of uh, information in terms of players and where they were going. And I was like, Oh, maybe I should start my own blog. And I started my own blog called box and mess. And it was just, it was a, it was an outlet for me to express myself, but then also to highlight uh, high school basketball. So yeah, fast forward, it got to the point where I was getting like millions of views. I had interviews with some of the top basketball players and also people from like Fox sports, CBS sports, ESPN are reading that website. Mm-hmm. And that sparked the journey for me in in terms of taking the media route. Uh, before yeah. I was, I wanted to do media. I was uh, going to Rutgers University for kinesiology, and it was from there that that I said, you know what, I really enjoy this. I want to take the media route, and that sparked me to to make a shift and also transfer to the University of Kentucky and, and play soccer there. And so. It's interesting to see just how certain things in the sense of um, my passion, interests, and and just uh, certain things I just naturally kind of fell into as a kid has created this big path for me as an adult. It also has helped to shape who I am uh, to this day. And and it's, I don't know, it's so interesting just to see. I never expected, one, I never expected to have a media career in esports. Because back mm-hmm. then, there weren't really any careers in esports, and no one really took esports seriously. And even gaming, sometimes they didn't really take seriously. So to get to this point and to take the experience of when I played soccer in high school and, and at the University of Kentucky and my own blog called Box MS and mm-hmm. just the environment that my mom helped create in, set, in, in terms of uh, being able to pursue different passions, different interests, and everything has cultivated and created this lane and where I am right now. And even though and it's interesting too, because a lot of people look at my trajectory and they just look at the past two and two years and some change that I've been uh, in esports in terms of a career. And they look at it and say, Oh, well uh, it took you very, it, it was very quick for you to get to that point. But I always have to remind right. people, I started working in media when I was 16, 17 years old I worked mm-hmm. for the Wall Street Journal. I even worked for Diddy's Television or Revolt, Revolt TV. 
I've been in the industry for 10 years and it took me 10 years to be able to get to this point. It took me 10 <laughs> years to be able to get signed by CAA. So I know, yeah. I, I know because, you know, I don't really talk as much about my past in, in, in terms of my career, but it's, it's been quite a journey. But like I said, yeah. everything in my childhood upbringing has led me to this point. No, that's awesome. And, and it's funny you mentioned that because I think what initially sparked, you know, I had been following your content. I think I started following you in all honesty in like October. And so I've been following your content a little bit. And I think what actually sparked me messaging you was that you'd put a tweet out saying that a lot of people had been asking you about your past and kind of your career and your journey. And I think I was like, oh, well, maybe, you know, I should reach out to her because I know she does a lot of interviewing, but maybe, you know, she'd like to be on the flip side of it and, and come and tell her story on here because I think that's what my podcast focuses a lot on is just kind of telling people's journey and their story. Um, so that's awesome to hear. Something I wanted to, to go back and touch on. So to start or to go back to your high school experience is, you know, you said you play at the University of Kentucky. So during high school, you started the blog. Was was that in soccer? You know, kind of where was your mindset during high school? You know, were you trying to get a D1 scholarship in soccer or, or where were your focuses and goals at that point? Well, at that point, my my main focus was to get a scholarship for soccer mm -hmm. uh, my mom you know like she's been very supportive but she's also someone who made sure that my brother and I were on the right path and uh, mm -hmm. growing up she said there's only three ways that you're going to be going to college you either get an academic scholarship an athletic scholarship or you're going to get multiple jobs and pay for your degree so with those three options for me I loved soccer and also I didn't want to work multiple jobs at that time so I, <laughs> I said to myself all right let me get this athletic scholarship and right. both my brother and I got athletic scholarships for, for our uh, college uh, degree and awesome. so at that time in high school I, I was just pretty much just focused in on soccer but as my blog and website was starting to build up I also put energy towards there as well uh, mm -hmm. I, I've, I've had a lot of experiences with it having really bad business partners and really bad splits to uh, some more positive things like me finding some of my mentors like Mike Hill from ESPN he's been my or excuse me he used to be at ESPN now he's at Fox Sports he mm -hmm. has been my mentor for 10 years the co-founder of Dime Magazine Josh Godhealth also has been my one of my mentors for almost 10 years and so uh, I, I, I realized at that time, as I was focusing on soccer, I realized, wow, this blogging and, and writing experience is something that can take me to different places and different levels. And I wasn't even sure if I wanted to, to go pro in soccer just because I was very aware that one, the support of the Women's Professional Soccer League in U.S. is not that great. And then on top of mm -hmm. that, I knew the pay wasn't that great. And so the first job that I got out of college, it was just it was a really nice salary. And so <laughs> during the high school standpoint, like my only focus was just getting a scholarship and degree uh, right. and going to a university that I felt like was best suited for what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go. And at that time it was working in traditional sports, which is funny because, you know, esports is now being integrated into, into traditional sports now. So mm -hmm. that's, that was, that was pretty much my main focus throughout high school. Um, yeah. And then it just it just naturally just started to change as I got older. That's awesome. And, and so let's then talk a little bit about your time at Kentucky. So you go and you play D1 soccer there, at, you know, at a large SEC school. Um, you know, shout out to the SEC. I graduated from Auburn, so I can kind of share that passion with you. Um, but 
So you said you transferred to Kentucky. So out of high school, you initially went to Rutgers and then Mm -hmm. made your way over to Kentucky? Yeah. So my first year in college, I went to Rutgers University. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, I was looking to get into kinesiology and they have a good sports med program over in Rutgers. And so and then in addition to that, I just I wanted to stay closer to home because uh, I wanted to be closer to my family, but also my my mom, too, who, you know, as I mentioned earlier, is de- deals with a lot of health issues. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was there, that's that's when the change happened in the sense of, OK, now I want to do journalism and Rutgers has a communication de- degree, but not necessarily a journalism degree. So that's when and then also I just I had my own feelings towards the soccer program and I just felt like it wasn't the best fit for me. So I was like, OK, right. this is a perfect time for me to, to transfer and to get out of here. And so. I was looking at various different uh, colleges at the time, but uh, Kentucky was the best one for me because I, I had uh, I had two friends and, and two people that I knew there. And the other universities, I didn't really know anyone, um, but I knew one of the basketball players, Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Um, he's from Jersey, and, and my family uh, knows his family. And so I, it was him and then another friend named Jessica, who my brother knew well. Um, they were I was, I looked at it kind of as, okay, these are two people that I actually know versus going to university where I don't know. And I know that my mom felt more comfortable with that. And of course, you know, with UK having a really good basketball program, they have a lot of relationships in traditional sports. So it only made right. sense for me to go there. And they have a really great journalism program as well. So I, I said to myself, okay, this is, this is the best fit for me. And so I made that move. Um, right before my sophomore year. And so I spent the last three years of my college experience at the University of Kentucky. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it definitely sounds like it, it was a good fit for you. During your time at Kentucky then while you were playing, did you continue the blog or or did it come, you know, did your focus shift or, or did you have any like focus on gaming and esports while you were at Kentucky or how did those passions intertwine there? Okay, so yeah, so when I was at the University of Kentucky, I did continue my blog for a bit, but then it got to the point where I was just, I said to myself, okay, I, I want to make a shift. And also, when I started blogging, it was during the blogging, like, golden era. Right, And right. so as I was transitioning out, it was starting to get oversaturated, and I was just like, oh, I, don't, I don't really want to do this anymore. Um, plus, I, at that time, it was around my junior year in college, and uh, I entered at interned at the Wall Street Journal and Dow Jones. So Dow Jones first. I was part of a think tank my junior year. Uh, I believe it was my junior year. And from there, I, I did a really good job, and they wanted me to come back and intern again and more. And they had me intern specifically for the sports department. And so um, I that's that's when I I, I took it from uh, taking away from my own content and then working for a company and just gaining the experience and gaining the reputation. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I couldn't focus on all three. So I had to give up that blog, which, you know, it served its purpose. It, it helped me gain the appropriate experience that I needed for my resume in order to get opportunities at Dow Jones and Wall Street Journal. And even yeah. in the in moving forward, because even there's people in the industry who still remember that blog and it's so funny. And, uh, but that, that work and, and trial and error that I had in that experience prepared me for everything now and what to do and what not to do. So it really taught me a lot about business and just the, the, the business of media and the pros mm-hmm. and cons of what happens in media, especially from a business perspective. And so 
that's when I made that transition. In terms of like esports and, and gaming and, and working in this space, like I said, I've always played video games my entire life. Like my stepdad actually created one of the earliest PC video games for the Commodore. So like, so okay. video games has always been a part of my my life and my family's life. But I made the transition into esports and gaming and happened when in 2018, the company I, I worked for, they laid me off as well as a lot of other people and they laid mm-hmm. me off right before I had hip surgery, which was very unfortunate. And right. during that time, you know, for the first six months, I was just focusing on healing myself, getting myself better, you know, that aspect. Then after that, I said to myself, because during that experience at that company, it wasn't the greatest experience at all. And there were instances where I had uh, projects that I, I or a project that I started and higher ups were starting to take over it. And I never mm-hmm. wanted to be in that in that position and have that feeling where I'm putting all in the work and someone else who's higher up takes it and then goes with it and then it doesn't give me the, the appropriate credit. And at that right. time, I just got tired of everyone like not giving me the, the credit that I've earned over the 10 years. And so um, at that time, I had a hard time getting a job, but especially because, you know, I had uh, the hip surgery. So, of course, you know, I'm sure – some people looked at me as a liability, which I, which is understandable. Mm-hmm. But um, so my friend, Kyle Harvey, he worked for this company called the Shadow League, and he brought me on. He said, hey, listen, um, even though I may not be able to pay you a whole lot, uh, I can give you a little bit just so, just so you can get by. Um, and I st- he had me first covering sports, but we've had so many different conversations. Kyle and I have been friends for a while, but I never really like talked to him about video games. Right. And so they got to the point where um, eventually he was, you know, off of the various conversations we had, he was, he said to me, he's like, Hey, why don't you write about video games and the intersection of culture and video games and esports? He's like, he said to me, he, he, you're very knowledgeable about gaming, but then you also are very knowledgeable when it comes to culture and music and, and politics and everything like that. And I said, you know what? Okay, sure. So he's had me start doing it. And then he had me start covering the NBA 2K league. At that point, I, I watched a little bit of competitive uh, gaming and esports on and off, but that's when I started to just dive into it a lot more. Um, and so he had me covering it. And so the first season of NBA 2K league I covered uh, as mm-hmm. well as the second season. And then from there is, is, is kind of when, the transition into being a broadcaster happened. And it's funny because I didn't go to school for broadcasting. I went for digital and print journalism. Mm -hmm. And so at that time is when I made that transition into being behind the camera and now put myself in front of it. Yeah. Yeah. And so with the 2K league coverage, you, you correct me if I'm wrong, you co-hosted the show, the post up. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so how that, so how that happened is uh, I originally, like I said, it was I was just covering it um, from a journalistic standpoint, and and more so from the lane that I was filling the, the the cultural side of things. And so with that, my friend Jeff Eisenband, who also was covering the league, he said, "Hey, uh, the league hit me up. They want to do a show. They're, they asked me about co-host, and I thought of you." And at that time, I was like, "Oh, on camera work? Oh, I never done this before." And so, uh, but. Because of grassroots podcasts, uh, with grassroots podcasts, I, I wasn't like traditional podcast work, but I was in front of a camera, and I learned had to learn how to be comfortable in being in front of camera and talking about topics in front of the camera and adding personality and knowing how to enunciate your words and also set certain 
um, expressive uh, uh, volume, as, right. as you would say, to to when I want to emphasize a point or, or anything like that. And so I didn't have a real, I didn't have experience in broadcasting, but I had all that content and they saw it. And so they asked me to to join. And, uh, you know, at first it was a little bit, it was new for me. It was a little rocky, but I got, I started getting better. And at that time too, I also was in the process of rebranding myself. Like for example, all my life I've had long hair and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, also when it comes to broadcasting, I was told that I didn't fit, basically I didn't fit the mold. Interesting. Uh, okay when it came to other companies in terms of video content and, 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 you know, and et cetera. And so, but for me, I, I've always been that person who, if you tell me I can't do something or you say no to me, I'm going to prove you wrong. Right. I've always been that person. I've always been competitive. I never really get sad or upset. Like, Oh no, they closed the door on me or they said they couldn't do it. I would always say, okay, you're going to be coming back to me in a few months anyway. <laughs> it's and, just and, fuel. And it, yeah. And it's funny. Cause I even said that to a few people too. I was like, all right, cool. Understandable. Well, uh, you may want to contact me in a few months because I have a feeling that we're going to be uh, meeting again later on. And it's funny because some of the people I said that to, it it, it did end up happening later on. But uh, but yeah, the post up was was the start of of just broadcast work in esports and gaming, and it really set the tone for landing the opportunity later on with Cheddar Esports. Yeah. No, and, that, and that's what I was going to ask you. Do you think having that position, being a co-host on the show, that kind of – obviously, you already had kind of been in media and journalism a bit, as you had been saying. But do you think yeah. as far as esports-wise, that kind of opened the doors for you a bit more? That – it it did. Um, it definitely opened the door, and it also taught me a lot of different things. Uh, the NBA 2K League and the community for the NBA 2K League are very supportive. Uh, mm-hmm. But that was also my first experience with – I mean – Granted, I had experience on the grassroots podcast standpoint with hip hop, like with people in, um, you know, actually, let me pull it back. It's more so men in hip hop, not uh, <laughs> not just women, and right. mostly men. There are some women, but in terms of the fans that watch our program, you know, they, if they didn't like what I had to say, you know, of course, they'd be like, oh, you're a woman. You don't know hip hop, all this stuff. Now, mind right. you, I knew I, because I worked in music media, I knew a lot of behind the scenes stuff that fans aren't aware of. And they would get upset when I would say like, "Oh no, this is a this is a this is a publicity thing. It's a promo thing. It's not serious." People get upset, and then they would find out later on that that was the case. And so, Grassroots was kind of like my first experience in terms of that. But then working mm-hmm. for NBA Two K League with the post up really taught me one that clearly there's still a sexist issue in esports and gaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, there were very supportive people in the community, but then there were also not supportive uh, people in the community um, making comments about my appearance and oh she's flirting with this person and all this stuff and I'm a professional at the end of the day I, I don't I don't yeah. mix and mingle in that way and so but for me it, it was just it was an experience in a sense that you know I've had people come at me for my articles or podcasts but then having it be on even more display and having to be more focused on my parents. I was like, Oh my gosh. And at that time I was focusing, like I said, I'm rebranding myself. So I was trying to like figure out like my hair and my style and it was still tying into the whole, um, you know, I'm, I don't fit the mold. Right. I don't, right. you know, they're making comments about my parents. Of course, I'm, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a mix between a tomboy and a femme. And so I, I would get criticized for that. And so that prepared me for, everything moving forward, especially for Cheddar Esports, I still get criticized. I still get people saying the N word when I'm on the show, but mm-hmm. 
over my experience starting with the blog when I was younger to now, I, I gained a thick skin in this industry. That's what and, I was going to ask you. Yeah. Yeah. And also, too, people are such bandwagoners. I keep telling people who get into media, like, don't worry if people don't support you. Like, the second you start blowing up and the second that, like, people in the industry who really support you help you and, and, and you grow and you show people that you're good at your job – uh, those other people that talk smack about you are going to turn around and, and say great things about you and just hop on the bandwagon. I always laugh because it always happens. Or yeah. people who troll. I've come, I've also come to realize like people who troll, like there's ways to actually turn them into your fans. And that's happened plenty of times on Cheddar Esports as well. And so I would say the 2K League and it's, it has helped me by building these amazing relationships with people in esports and gaming. And the Shadow League too, but then also has taught me that, you know, there are going to be rough times. There are going to be people who aren't going to support me. And at the end of the day, it, I don't care if those people don't support me or not, because the, the people who are higher up, the people who are, you know, as part of the top esports organizations or leagues, they all support me. And at, that, at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. And people who are there since day one are still supporting me and everyone else. They're going to they're gonna be hopping on the bandwagon soon enough anyway. So and right. I say that in a very confident way, and it's not even to be egotistical. It's just letting people know, like, you can't worry so much about. And I, and I tweeted out today, um, not to worry too much about, like, what people think about you and who don't support you. Because at the end of the day, the industry, like I said, it can be very bandwagony. And even fans and, and soon-to-be supporters can be bandwagony. Um, you just got to put in the work, and sometimes you got to earn people's respect, and, and sometimes those people who don't respect you will have to only respect you later on because of the work that you put in. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, the audience for this podcast, we do have a lot of younger listeners, so I'm sure that's super beneficial to a lot of people, whether they be in esports or gaming and are, you know, a streamer or a content creator trying to make it up in the industry. Um, I think that's super unique and cool for you that since you did have the blog at a younger age, it seemed like, you know, since you started then, you've gone this far that it did help you create that sense of a thick skin um because we all know that social media can kind of be overwhelming and people can just mm -hmm. get out of hand really fast on social media with certain things um so that's really cool to hear how you've kind of navigated the waters and you've just let it fuel your fire which i'm I, I, personally i'm the same kind of way if if someone tells me that i can't do something or i'm not the right fit or this or that i, I just think that's that's all fuel um but i know mm -hmm. there are people on the flip side and you know sometimes that can be hard for someone to hear because they just you know interpret it differently so that's really cool to hear about your career though so i, I wanted to hop into the grassroots podcast and i know we kind of have been touching on it you mm -hmm. know can you take us back to the origin of when it got started you know what was the vision of the purpose that you guys had when you started that show yeah so um grassroots podcast was yeah, the grassroots podcast was co-founded by myself and my partner brandon hall and uh, we actually met when we were both getting our mini mbas at rutgers university and um he, brandon has over 10 years experience working in the music industry he's worked for Royce of five nine joe budden and a few others uh either as a hype man a and r and and so forth and we both with our experience realized there we felt like there's so much about the music industry that people don't realize happens. And we also felt like there weren't so many op uh, platforms that artists and celebs can truly be themselves and, and really showcase who they are. Because we understand that artists have to hold a certain persona or certain cool level about themselves. But we wanted mm -hmm. to not have that. We wanted them to really show themselves. And yeah. so we first started off by... Um, 
you know, creating this podcast around that concept and interviewing different celebs, you know, uh, people like Royce, uh, people like uh, Little Brother of the group, uh, people like Danny Lay, uh, and, mm-hmm. and, and more. And so, but as we started to do it, a lot of people were asking us about us, our experience, our thoughts, our opinions. We've also even had people in the industry tell us like, hey, you guys should move move towards that. Um, and so when we did that, uh, that's when we, we, we made the adjustment in our podcast. And it's funny because we had it be something that was so niche, but now it's just, we want to just have it be a platform where people can tell their own stories and their own perspectives in a raw, unfiltered and unedited format. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we've had everyone from people t- talking to us about uh, how they were five years sober and, and they had they were dealing with alcoholism, how they were afraid it would affect their penmanship, to depression and mental health and, you know, that component to being tired that everyone keeps interviewing them because they did some work for a big artist and they're tired of getting some questions. So, or even about video games. And so we felt like developing a platform that really had these deep intellectual or funny or just open conversations and and, and especially mm-hmm. having people that most fans whether you're fans of them or you know who they are learning something about them at the end of the day and so when we started this we didn't really you know we didn't really expect it to go the way it did um <laughs> you know our our podcast like for example uh, i don't know if many people know but the reason why kanye west uh was executive produce all of the good music artists projects uh, was because of um, Sci High the Prince actually mentioned on our podcast and that broke that news. And so that's how we found out that Kanye was going to executive produce all their projects. Then we've also broke news around how high Two with Red Man and Method Man and these various different conversations that we broke, we weren't planning to break these. It just happened because those those individuals were so comfortable and they just let it be known and we're like whoa we weren't prepared for this right (laughs) and so we we became a very instrumental platform in the industry and that that even was a learning experience right and 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 especially being uh, uh people who are black in the industry we also wanted to focus in on topics that were important to the community but then also dispel stereotypes the whole, you know, being gamers, right? You don't have to, you, you, just because you don't have to be nerdy to play video games. Exactly. Also, even though we're, even though we're black gamers, does not mean we only play 2K and Madden, right? So yeah, there was just certain things assumption. that we, yeah, it, it, it's crazy something <laughs> that people still to this day have. And so that's why we, we, we fine tune our podcast and we're still fine tuning our podcast because it's an ongoing journey, but right. we wanted to just highlight and show people that, you know, especially with people who are black or Latin or gay or anything that there's these certain stereotypes and misinformation that need to be dispelled and also showing that there's different perspectives when it comes to speaking about certain things, whether it's in hip hop or video games or just people's personal stories. And so that's why we, you know, we wanted to make the podcast, but the podcast is becoming way bigger and, and it's taking a different direction i mean we're having our first gaming event march 7th with nate robinson in partnership i was gonna bring that up yeah say yeah <laughs> with partnership with 368 and minorities in sports and we never expected that but brandon and i from you know brandon has gone to a lot of cultural events that had gaming and then with me working in the gaming esports industry i was like 
there's a perfect way that we can bring all the communities together just to have a fun gaming night and not have it feel so industry. And right. so we felt like we wanted to do it. And I met Nate at a Players Tribune event. Um, uh, and, and at that event, uh, we we really talked about just how he has such a great passion for that. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't have thought if you didn't like it, because this is the thing about gamers, right? You uh, more so gamers who are the celebs. Some of them you wouldn't unless you have this conversation. Um, but big ups to Rob Vill, uh, Villanueva, who's my friend at Tribune. Uh, he introduced me, and that's how we had the conversation. Then from there, I spoke to his management for Nate, and we had this event. And even this event is starting out to be bigger than we expected. We have labels reaching out to us. We have people reaching out to us to come to it. So yeah, like, it's been quite a journey. It's <laughs> it's crazy how like all, all these different platforms and that i've been a part of i i did it because i was passionate about it and then they just ended up being bigger than i expected just because of the work from the team and the people that are involved or helped along the way yeah and for context which i should have done prior to getting into the grassroots podcast but for anyone listening so for context their podcast has been featured on genius billboard iHeartRadio. radio i know on one of the espn shows you guys had it featured so you guys have obviously done some incredible things and i think the game night is just kind of solidifying that um, something I wanted to step back on real quick that you brought up at the mm-hmm. beginning that I thought was really interesting is that you guys wanted to have people on and just allow them to be real and, and be themselves because, and the example I was going to bring up is I don't know if you ever listened to the lighthearted podcast with Josh Hart and Matt Hillman, but I, I got attracted to their podcast, you know, when it came out at the beginning because they were solving that issue of, you know, NBA players or pro athletes have to act a certain way in front of media and they can't be themselves. And the realness of that really attracted me to their podcast. And it sounds like you guys almost had a similar approach to that, but in a different industry. But I do think that's what people want to see, right? We don't want people to sugarcoat things or to have to act a certain way. You know, we want to see the realness inside of, of different people. Yeah. And and, I, and I, I think also just because of how social media is, some people are afraid to be themselves and to show who they are and yeah, that's something that I even had to learn. Right. Because I had that insecurity where when I was growing up, because like I said, I didn't fit the mold of, you know, broadcasting. I've had people tell me that I couldn't do it because I wasn't super feminine and all this stuff. Right. And mm-hmm. so for me, I, I, I kind of I said to myself, I was like, I, I was like, that shouldn't matter. It, it should matter of, of, of the value that I bring. And Right. kind of person that I am and that's why I also love the esports and gaming communities because it doesn't matter like I don't have to be super super femme like they respect me and they respect the value that I'm bringing to the community and ju- just naturally because of that more and more different people are supporting me and brands like AT&T are supporting me and we're early supporters so yeah. it's 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 one of those things because social media like there's so much negativity on social media it's ridiculous but there are some blessings in disguise when it comes to social media. And, you know, some of the people that have supported me and pushed me the hardest have been people that I've met first on social media and then in person later on. And so yeah. that's why, you know, and so it's like, it's, it's interesting in that way. And, and when I, growing up, when I had that insecurity uh, and when I even say growing up, I even say early twenties and just really figure out who I am and, and dealing with my identity, you know, growing up, I had the whole, I wasn't black enough because I was also Puerto Rican and I wasn't, mm. Uh, uh, his, uh, Latin Hispanic enough uh, because right. you know I'm not 
fluent in Spanish. You know, I know enough that I understand when my family speaks to me, but I'm not fluent. And so I've always had those things that I, that I dealt with personally. And so, um, for, with all of that though, I think, like I said, all these challenges and obstacles helped shape me to who I am and help me be the confident, firm, um, opinionated, you know, cause I like, <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm very opinionated at times, but right. you know, I, I'm also reasonable too. Uh, but the, the kind of woman that I am now, and, and that's why I like, I try to use my platforms for positivity and I try to let people know that at the end of the day, it's more valuable to be yourself, even if people don't agree with it or, or think you can't thrive and achieve just by doing being yourself. That That's not true. Will it take more work? Yes, it'll take more work, but you'll be happier in the end of the day just being yourself. And and I've learned that and I'm way happier at the end of the day by taking that route. Definitely. Definitely. No, those, those are great words of wisdom. Uh, something I want to talk on to now. I know we're kind of going back and forth here, but definitely enjoying hearing about it to go back to the game night that you guys have featuring Nate Robinson, you know, so that kind of gives you guys, correct me if I'm wrong, but kind of the collaboration between gaming, traditional sports and hip hop. And, you know, where do you see that right now in the industry? Because I think that that's not, or I could say music industry too, if we wanted to be a little bit more general, but I think there's a big connection right now between traditional sports, esports, and the music industry. What is your view and your take point on that? Do you, do you think we highlight it enough or, or what are your thoughts? I think, uh, to be honest, I think that how we're treating, uh, I'm just going to be straightforward. Yeah, how go ahead. Treat, how, how, I feel like how we're treating that, those connections as if it's something that's new is a little bit ignorant of us mm-hmm. because hip hop and sports have always been synonymously uh, tied to gaming. Exactly. Um, yes, we are starting to see more in esports, but there are people who already involved in that sector right you see you, people like even like t-pain and lupe fiasco i think that it, the conversations that we have around like culture and hip-hop and gaming um when it comes to esports and gaming I, I think there needs to be a lot more historical context i mean yeah. look def jam fight for new york and that fighting game series wu-tang clan having the earliest fighting game for, for hip-hop acts um then you know with Grand Theft Auto in terms of the them being one of the earliest to have uh, appropriate licensing when it comes to music, right? And that introduced us to likes of Royce to Five Nine and other hip-hop acts. It's always been connected. Every athlete or most athletes, when they're traveling, what do they do? Play you know, of course, games. some of them go to the strip club, <laughs> but they also play video yeah. games, right? Yeah, And so yeah. this is something that's it's not new. It's just, mm-hmm. I think people view it as new just because of esports and even like the acceptance e-sports, side of it yeah yeah. Uh, yeah and even esports itself isn't new it's been well around even since the 90s and so i think that because mainstream is starting to like really pay attention and just certain individuals are really starting to pay attention they kind of tie this novelty and this like new perspective of all these connections because of like the likes of like offset and all these people i'm um, getting involved in esports which is great but yeah. It also, you know, I think that it, it, it creates a blind spot where it's like people are acting like hip hop and sports are just getting involved in gaming, they're just getting involved in esports. Maybe, maybe I can I can agree with on a higher level and a more freedom level, but they've always been involved in esports and gaming in some capacity, even if it was just one, two, three, or a few. So yeah. I just think that more and more are getting involved, and more people that probably wouldn't have gotten involved before because of the cool persona that they yep. have to uphold. Uh, yep. But 
there, there's been a lot of them that, you know, behind the scenes were playing or involved in some way. Definitely. And, and I think that's what, uh, what more of a, what I was getting at was the acceptance side where now you do see maybe not people stepping out of the dark on it, but being more open about it since esports has started or begun to become more mainstream and, and more people are accepting it. And so that's kind of the, the take I was going for is do you think it's, it's because of all that, but no, definitely. I, I think you have some, some solid points there. Um, on the grassroots podcast, I want to ask you, to kind of wrap this up and then I want to get into your role at Cheddar Esports before we wrap things up and, and a little bit of talk of diversity and inclusion. But what do you think to date has been, you know, one of the coolest or most memorable moments that you guys have had on that podcast? Uh, memorable moments on grassroots podcast. Um, definitely. I would say us breaking the news of Kanye with yeah. the, producing all of good music just because that's like breaking any news of anyone that caliber is just like holy crap right big time uh, yeah. that that really helped take our podcast and put it on a big bigger uh platform and level mm -hmm. um this gaming event definitely is another bigger platform i think ever since we announced this event and started it we've been getting so many inquiries and people contacting us that we never expected we're going to come. And, and so uh, that's another uh, high point. And I think also just, uh, I think another high point for us is just reaching our hundredth episode because not like, and, and I say that because especially when it comes to content platforms, not a lot of platforms succeed uh, and not a lot of platforms are able to adjust to certain obstacles as they grow. And we've had so many different obstacles, even from just like the change in algorithm to YouTube messing us up, uh, people mm -hmm. working with us before and their inconsistencies and just stuff like that. And I think that we've been able to get through every single obstacle and challenge and we've been able to understand what our value is in the industry and providing that value and showing people that you don't have to have thousands of numbers to be successful. It's all about working smart. And, yeah. and, and I always tell people that because sometimes people, like, you know, a lot of times when people are on social media, they they compare themselves to other people. Right. Of course, there are some there are people who work hard and have worked for 10 years and have gotten to this point. And it's just you just see the successes. You don't see the challenges. But also there's some people who start something and not only are they working hard, but the reason why they get quickly uh, towards success is because they work smart. And I think that that's something that people miss is understanding mm -hmm. the business side, understanding what your value is and be able to sell that value to other companies and finding points to increase your value you know that i mean look brandon and i are major gamers we play games all the time and we said you know what forget it we're gonna make, we're gonna do our gaming event because we're tired of some of the culture gaming events that we see from labels and so and, and other people because it's so industry and the reason why brand and i pretty much individually left the industry music industry because it was too industry um mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so and so we want to do our own thing and and by not following what everyone else is doing and, and understanding our value, not only as two, as, as two people, but also as a team and also as what we provide in terms of content, we've been able to build our own paths and individually and collectively. So I think just the fact that we are even at this point, the fact that we even are at this amount of episodes, past 100 episodes, and the fact that we're even getting conversations with bigger companies um, who see the value in us because we've been so consistent and consistently good in our conversations, consistently good in our content. Even though we don't have high numbers, 
we still are growing and, and, and prospering and, and steadily growing. And I, and I think that that has been kind of like the highlight. And, and Brandon and I are two people that, you know, we, sell, we, we have to sometimes tell ourselves to like celebrate these big moments, but we're always yeah. thinking about what's next. We're always <laughs> like, what's next? What's next? You know, when we had our first live show with Jinx from say the culture, you know, the day after we literally had to tell ourselves like, okay, let's not touch anything and actually enjoy this moment. Right. Right. But right. then after that 24 hours, we're like, all right, what's the next event? And that's when we started working on the gaming event. And so, yeah. uh, so I would say all, all that has been kind of like high moments. And I think even what's even a higher moment is that uh, I'm able to work with people who are my friends and who are family and being mm-hmm. able to, to be, to, to celebrate in the successes that we have with people who are, who, who are really good friends and family. And, you know, although people tell you not to work with your friends, you know, I, I think you can work with your friends as long as you both understand business and understand how things need to be done and actually treat everyone with respect and your partner and with respect. And so, yeah, um, that all that together has been like, oh, my gosh, you know, it, it's been so successful. Right. No, I mean, you just unpacked a lot there. that was awesome. And it, it's funny. You talk about the mentality of you know, you want to celebrate the small wins. And, and I don't know if this, you can relate to this, but uh, cause I know you were an athlete. And so a little mm-hmm. context of myself, I grew up from a very young age playing basketball, played a lot of AAU, the whole sort of thing where I was just night and day basketball, three, six, five. And I think you learn as an athlete to where, when you have a victory, you really can't celebrate it that long because either it's the next game or it's the next play or so forth, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, do you think that's kind of, what has helped you build that mentality of, okay, yeah, we had the victory, but now there's so much, let's celebrate it for a moment, but there's so much more to be done. Yeah. I mean, being an athlete definitely helps. I mean, I'm super competitive. So I'm always, it kind of goes back to that mentality where it's like, oh, if you say I can't do something, I'm going to prove you wrong. I also know how to handle defeat and losses. And I think being a soccer player has helped me with that, especially Mm -hmm. a soccer player at a high level. I understand how to be composed and to compete at a very high level and, and, and not let my emotions take over because that's what a lot of people, especially creatives, they allow their emotions to, to take over them. And especially if they don't get the support, the love initially for what they're doing, they feel defeated or they're, or, or they'll be mad and like, Oh, you're going to swim later. The, the, the work that I've done with being an athlete showed me how to keep those emotions in check and, and figuring out, okay, what do I need to work on and get to the next point? And so I would definitely say being an athlete at a top level has taught me so, so much. And it also has taught me to be very relatable to to competitive esports players because there's intangibles yeah. about being a top athlete that only people who are top athletes will understand. Other people right. who have never played at a high level will never understand that. And so, and I'm not saying that in like a bad way, but there are certain things when it comes to playing in, in, in top leagues or tournaments or SEC, ACC, or anything like that, you will will not understand unless you're there. And so it's helped me to be empathetic. It's helped me to keep my emotions under check and really be able to handle pressure and challenges that come my way. That's awesome. Yeah, no, definitely. And so let's let's kind of go over your career at or your role at Cheddar Esports really quickly. I know we've touched on it a little bit. I think one of the questions I want to ask you that we haven't touched on it is how did you land that role at Cheddar Esports? Was there a path or was it an introduction or did you pursue it? You know, what was your story with that? So I met the producer of uh, my one of the producers, Brandon Brothwaite. He uh, I met him at Red Bull Conquest in D.C. And uh, my friend Amanda Stevens introduced us. 
because she told me about him and I asked her, Hey, can you introduce me? And I literally told him, Hey, if you're looking for, um, if you're looking for someone who can do broadcast work, let me know. And I sent my resume in, I sent info. And then it just, then I got a, uh, a chance to go in, do a, a screen test. And from there, uh, yeah, the rest yeah. is history. Nice. Well, how do you, you know, how do you feel that, you know, really it's one of the only, I believe on cable, the only gaming and esports show that's on cable TV. So how much of a unique experience is that to you? How cool is that to you that you get to be such a significant part of that? I think it's a great experience, especially because I, you know, especially when we look at esports, there's not a lot of black women and mm -hmm. black and Latin women. Yeah. who are the faces of either a broadcast or a broadcast team. And that's still an issue that we, I, I personally see with eSports. And so being able to be someone that is able to be that representation is amazing. And then, of course, being able to help tell other people's stories and just contribute to eSports in general and gaming in general has been phenomenal. And it's, it's one of those moments where, uh, like with everything else, it's like I had to take a seat back. And mm -hmm. realize this um, because I'm always go go go, but it's <laughs> yeah. amazing to be to be able to have this. Yeah, and and on that note, I know for Black History Month, I wanted to ask you this because I saw when you initially put the tweet out, and I've seen it as the month has gone on. But mm -hmm. you guys on your social, and I know on Cheddar Esports, you guys have highlighted Black professionals in the industry. Was that something that you wanted to do, and, and you brought to Cheddar, or or was it something just because it was Black History Month, you guys kind of wanted to intertwine it to your show, or how did that come about? That's something that I wanted to do. Okay. Um, I felt like it was super important because I, I got a lot of people asking me, like, where are the other black people in esports and gaming? I'm like, they're there. What are you talking about? It's just yeah, just not a highlight as much. Uh, I've also learned about more and 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 different uh, black professionals in this space and in different positions. And so this was something that I wanted to do, but this is also something that our team wanted to do. And so um, my boss, Rick Grimes, said, hey, take the lead and, and, and do what you want to do and just pitch, yeah. pitch it to me and let me know. And so I took it upon me to make sure that I tried to get at least one black professional on our show every single day in a different role, in a different title, in a different aspect of the gaming esports industry. So that's yeah. something that we, you know, as a team we wanted to do, but I really took it upon myself to, to take the lead with it. That's awesome. Well, congrats to you. It's been cool to, to watch that journey throughout the month. I know it's been all over social. Um, Last question on diversity and inclusion. What do you think we have to do? Because, you know, when we're talking about esports, the great thing about that is you do have so many people of so many different backgrounds. But as far as pushing the role on diversity, do you think it, how do we do that? Do you think it's more interviews? Do you think it's more platforms like that? Or, or what do you think the solution is? The solution is to get more people of color in higher up positions to get more people of color in conversations and decision-making conversations, to get more people of color in front of the camera. I mm -hmm. think at the end of the day, it's the industry is becoming more diverse, but you're not seeing people of color in these higher positions. You're not seeing people of color in certain positions that are important. It's the same thing. It's, it's a similar problem that we see in traditional sports. Yeah. All, a good amount of the players are black, but, what about team owners? What about, uh, you know, certain broadcasts? What about certain executives, right? The same thing has to do with esports. We need to get diverse individuals in higher positions, in positions of decisions, and, and in a more highlighted aspect, too, because that's, that's also going to show people that there are 
people of color in this space. But yeah. we can't have it where they're not in the positions of making decisions and higher positions or, you know, broadcast for esports leagues. I think that needs to improve. And we start with that. It will be a trickling effect in other aspects and even the lower tier positions and, and, and even more. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's awesome. And it's cool to see you taking a trailblazer role on that. That's really cool. So kudos to you. And I wish you the best as, as you continue to do that. It's fun to watch. The last question I have for you before we wrap things yes. up just to just to do it is what do you think has led you to the success you've had so far is there a motto you have is there an attitude you carry what do you think has brought you to where you are right now well, know, that's a deep to, question but what brought me yeah no it's okay what brought me to where i am now is don't chase the money chase the passion right and not necessarily chase it blindly because you could be chasing your passion and running around in a circle but you're not going anywhere right Chase the passion because if you're doing something that you're passionate about, you may not make money from it right away, but by having strategy and business smarts, you can find, you can generate revenue from what you're passionate about. And you're more able to generate that revenue from something that you're passionate about because you're more willing to stick with it because you love it and you love it even before you were making money. Like I was making almost only $2,000 a month covering esports and gaming and, and doing media work at one point. Mm -hmm. I had no health insurance or anything. And I was pushing and doing this work. And because I was passionate about it, it showed in my work, it showed in my work ethic. And then I was able to get paying gigs from it. You can't, like, you can't make everything about money at the end of the day. And even that mm -hmm. comes from business decisions. It comes from relationships, partnerships. It can't just be about money because you may be able to get the short-term money, but it doesn't mean you're going to end up getting the long-term money. So it's about pursuing the passion. And if you pursue the passion correctly in a smart way and with hard work, the money will eventually come. That's awesome. That's awesome. I appreciate those words. Thank you really just for coming on the show. It's great to hear your story and to chat with you. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are going to enjoy listening to this and, and hearing what you've done so far. It was, it was really great. Thank you so much for coming on. Yes, thank you. And if you're listening, you can find me on social media at Aaron A. Simon on all platforms or Aaron Ashley Simon on LinkedIn. I know it's funny because I have the A. People think my name is Irina, but it's actually just Aaron. The A is for Ashley. <laughs> but it's okay. Even if they say it, it doesn't bother me because my mom calls me Irina. So I'm, I'm used to it anyway. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. And for anyone listening, she will be linked. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can find the links to her socials in the notes. So definitely go follow her. Check out her content. Aaron, thank you again. Um, for all the listeners, if you guys are new to the show, thank you for checking it out and tuning in. If you are a recurring listener, thank you guys for coming back as always. And with that being said, we'll catch you next week for another episode of the Lodges podcast. Hey everyone. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. If you've enjoyed this, you can find out more about Lodges by searching on Instagram at Lodges underscore financial on Twitter at Lodges on eFuse at Lodges and on LinkedIn by searching for my name, Juan Rodriguez, J-U-A-N. Following on socials is the best way to be kept up to date with podcast updates and information. Thanks, and you were just listening to The Lodges Podcast.